I'm gonna have to do it with my teeth, aren't I? No, that's disgusting. It's fine. Oh, mate, be careful. Please be careful. What happened to recording the, the We're recording right now. Oh my God. It's happened again. And I'm just walking around the room. <laughs> you, just, you just pace it's it. Just, it's just me, like, slowly getting further and further away from life. I'll take a seat. You have no idea what's going to happen. I've got no idea what's going to happen. All I know is that... Have you, been, have you been thinking partially about what I could potentially talk about? Well, all you said was technology, so... The future of technology. so much... Tech- it's not even really the future of technology. It's like... The now. Future-ish technology that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how it's going to be developed. Basically, yeah. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got no idea. Well, I've got... I know you're going to talk about big Elon. Yeah, yeah. Elon Monk. I'm basically going to go through all the big things that that he has been working on. Leon Musk. And I think you probably know more about Elon Musk than I Neon Monk. Neon Monk. Yeah. Is that just like a really bright, flashy, um, bald Asian man? It's just it's just Elon Musk at a rave. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay, so the first thing um, is probably the thing I'm most excited about. Okay. And I've got a video for you, right? Hit me. You're going to make me watch a video. Basically, jetpacks have happened. But oh yeah, not that's... quite how you'd expect. Have you seen the Have you seen the news this week about that? I think that's probably what I've seen. Yeah, um, it was in France. I saw. Yeah, it. well, it was. It's called it? the uh, Zapata or Zapata. I don't know how you'd fucking say it. Flyboard by Frankie Zapata. Yeah, the guy tried to cross the channel on it. Pretty sure that's what. He was what the fuck? Yeah, he, he crashed. He crashed. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because it's a long way. Yeah. It's a long way. Yeah. I don't know how long. Okay, so he's just flying around. I think I have seen this video before. Right. Yeah, no, I've I've seen I've seen guys do this. This has been happening for a little while actually. I think there's the... been people trying to do it like in different ways and stuff. Yeah, there's I the... saw one where you basically have like like jetty things on your hands, like Iron Man. Um but that's really difficult to control. Yeah. Whereas this is basically like standing on a drone. Mm-hmm. Um but instead of it being like propellers, it's like actual jet engines. Okay. okay. Wouldn't that get really warm, though? I wouldn't stand underneath it. Would you stand... Sure. Oh, okay. Okay, hang on. It's like a board, though. It's like a hoverboard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So you would be, like, shielded. I bet it's got heat shielding on the bottom. Yeah, something like that. So well, I mean, you've got... Well, the jet engine is pushing underneath <clears throat> it, and you're on top. So there's a whole yeah. thing the between you that's, and the... That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Um, Makes it so easier to get around, but I don't know. See, feel be, like something like that. It'd would be have fun to, be to try. Like people always say, "Oh, I want uh, jetpacks to be like really common use and people to be like flying around all the time." But you just have people smacking into each other. Yeah, so you need people, rules. So many people would die so quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, you'd need just like just like we do on the roads. Yeah, um, I feel like you'd probably have to. It's like airplanes, right? A lot of the time, planes are flown by uh, a control center. Because they can see where all the planes are, rather than relying on like people yeah. looking and seeing. And I mean, you you know what it's like out on the roads. I can't I can't imagine what people will be like in the sky. Yeah, especially when well, when you add that extra dimension, yeah, it's just so much more complicated. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like in Back to the Future. You know, when they have when they first get into the future, into is it twenty fifteen they go to. Which is quite crazy considering that's fucking four years ago now. Oh, I can't. I don't know. I think it's 2015 they travel to in when, the second one. When did those? When did Nike bring out those shoes that can tie themselves? Oh, that was a couple, like three, four years ago. That was, I think no. I th- yes, it was. It was 2015. That was around the same. Yes, year. Yes, they did it in for the anniversary. Yeah. Oh, for, for to say, oh, this is the date that they went to. And now we've got shoes that can tie themselves. 
But no hoverboards. Yeah, and no flying cars. We've kind of got hoverboards. Mm, this is what the jetpack yeah, is, really. Sort of, yeah. Hoverboard that's even better than the Back to the Future hoverboard. Yeah. That can't go on water. Yeah. But even in um, even when they first get into the future, and they're in this, like, sky highway, but it's still, like, it's basically just a road. So what's the point in having that third dimension if you're still... Obviously, it adds. it's just adding another... It's like going, having a tunnel. Yes. So you have just another road higher or lower or a bridge yeah it's obviously you so can have re- more, tra- more less traffic but yes. more traffic yeah cause... but it renders the actual flying part of it kind of useless because you might as well just have a tunnel, tunnel. or bridge it, it, it depends right so the trade-off there is a tunnel's quite um difficult to actually build in that way like a, a, a big tunnel underneath the city mm. that's quite hard to build Obviously, Elon's taken massive drills and with his boring company, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to be talking but, about that a little bit. But the yeah, we can we can go into a bit more of Leon. Um, um, but obviously, over the sky, you have the noise problem because you you know what a helicopter sounds like, you know what a um, plane sounds like, even a drone. Right, drones are so loud, even though they're so small. Yeah, think about even just like standard person on a drone, how much more lift it has to generate. They're so, so loud. ridiculously loud. Exactly. And then add like seven of them, even only just seven. Um, yeah, it's not realistic for it to be like really widely commercially used. Yeah. But there'd be much more than seven on the roads. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but it's quite interesting because you learn to use it with something called the water flyboard, which is quite self-explanatory. Um, I think it's basically, you know how you saw those things quite a few years ago where you'd have um, a pack on, and then you'd have basically just shooting water that you're pumping from the sea or whatever it may be to propel yourself up. I think it's basically a similar sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that's a dead good way to learn because you're not you're never going to get too much height, so that when when you crash, you're going to really hurt yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of drones, I've got another little photo to show you because oh. this this sort of blew my mind. Right, so these have been around for a few years again, um, but I came across a photo of one for the first time. And it actually looks like something from a video game. This is a this is a drone, some kind of drone. This is not a drone. This is an anti-drone gun. Okay. Okay. So it fully looks like some sort of next level Halo plasma cannon or yeah, some it's like shit a, like that. Yeah, it's like a small tank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sort of looks like a big bulky... Um, you know those cameras? It's not a camera. The things police use to check your speed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like the speed gun. Yeah. Sort of looks like a big okay. bulky one of those. Okay. So it's basically focused signal jamming technology. So you point it at a drone and it cuts the signal to the remote control. Right. So it just falls. That's quite clever. Um, yeah. That's quite clever. Because I sort of, I, I saw that photo and I was like, what, do they just like shoot little pellets at it that's guaranteed to, or maybe a net that wraps around it? But that's realistically the only way you could do it. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Um, and that, you sort of don't think about that until you realise that that's what they actually well, do. Well, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing about drones, the thing that scares me about drones is it completely, um, it doesn't anonymise, but it, it removes the human aspect from war. So all of a sudden, think about some of the stuff that's been happening in the Middle East. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's just you can indiscriminately bomb an area using one thing that isn't going to be destroyed itself. You're uh, not having to put, like human lives on the line Truth so the you're ground. more likely to be risky with Ex- stuff like exactly. that and terrorists are more likely to go oh well, we can do this let's just fucking do it rather than yeah but we're going to lose like loads of our people even though a lot of terrorists that's kind of their point, the point. <laughs> um, but it does feel like obviously I say that it looks really futuristic I feel like we're in this sort of turning point of technology um, similar to how I think how I imagine people felt when 
computing and the internet became a big thing. Obviously, we were growing up. You might remember that more more clearly than I do. Um, but that would have been what sort of like 90s, mid 90s onwards. Um, so I don't have sort of any reference as much as I've I've when I was a child, you didn't really have the Internet and stuff like that. I can't really remember seeing and going, holy shit, there's this technology that that's coming into existence. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we did have the Internet, but it was very much um, it's very restrictive di- dial up and very slow mm. and you couldn't really do that much yeah. now. Now, literally, you think something and it's there on you on your PC in front of you. Yeah, really. But I I understand what you're saying. I think the thing that I would be thinking is, how easy would it be to commercialize something like this? How easy is it to make them? How cheap is it to make them? Because as we've talked about before, you even look at just iPhones, right? iPhones they're not that complicated to make mm. you know the technology isn't coming up but the price is just exponentially increasing it yeah and it's like we've obviously spoken before about how traditionally computers will is it like something something ridiculous like double in speed and half in price whereas now computers are still going up in speed but now they're going up in price with less features being added yeah it's called that's worth the price it's called Moore's law so right. yeah it's it's the idea that do you know the specific? Is yeah, it the, the trend. The trend looks like um, a doubling, a doubling speed, uh, or, or it, normally I think it's actually stated as a half in size. So rather than oh, thinking okay, about okay, right, rather than thinking about faster technology, they're thinking about more technology the same smaller into a smaller mm. package. Mm. It's normally half in size and half in price. I think right, um, right. but but yeah, it's that's consumerism for you, and it's like okay. So with new technology that's now being developed, do they then use stuff like that that's actually not very hard to build as a benchmark? Do they say like, okay, well, a phone costs a grand. Mm. A top-of-the-range phone costs a grand. If you build like a drone that's, that's you know, decent enough to market that would be like a human transport device, Yeah. do you go, right, well, however much it costs, you go, well iPhones are this much, a nice car would be this much, but we think the appeal here is better than a car. So regardless of how much it costs, we're going to charge you 70, 80 grand for it. Yeah. It depends on what the technology costs to build and develop. Yeah, I think the more time passes, the more it's becoming more about commercialism rather than innovation. Yeah. People care more about making money and keeping that treadmill going mm-hmm. rather than, oh, okay, we want to make this incredible thing. And then moving from the sky with drones to below ground, Elon Musk. Um, I think he's one of the few people, as much as so many of his products are really expensive, he does seem quite hell-bent on innovating the way we live and stuff like that. Like, obviously, we we spoke the other day about, um, uh, in fact, you mentioned just about the tunnels he's obviously dug and stuff like that. Um He's recently announced that he's going to be working on something called the Hyperloop Tunnel. Um, he's obviously digging all these tunnels, and I like to imagine like just Elon in a tunnel with a trowel, and that's that. That's just him doing it all himself, like a, like a trowel and a pickaxe. Yeah, he's just there, like like it's Minecraft. Just occasionally, like wiping the sweat from his brow, like <laughs> looking back at this huge tunnel and going, yeah. Like and then head, he just keeps going, like a head torch. On. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be class. That'd be class. Um, but he wants to have a six-mile vacuum tunnel by twenty twenty. Um, do you know why? Do you know why he wants it to be a vacuum? Well, obviously, it removes air resistance. Yeah, that's that's, um, that's pretty much why. And they wanted to reach a top speed of seven hundred seven hundred miles per hour. And to compare that, um, 
an average commercial jet there maxes out at 540 miles per hour. So, like I'm saying, this could completely revolutionise modern travel, which is again would be could be um, a sort of turning point in in such a huge part of technology in the modern world. It's under LA that he's building it, isn't it? Yeah, that's where he lives. Yeah. That's, he says that's the only reason he's done it in LA because that's where he lives. So, um, from what I hear, LA actually has quite bad traffic. Mm. Um, I think when I've I've got a friend who goes out to America a little bit and um, we speak to him. He says when they talk about traffic over there, it's nothing like it is over here. Like it's, it's not even close to as bad. Um, but having more options, like that, that's a big problem. I mean, how many, how many wasted hours do you think? In fact, the road, the A52, the road by where we are, mm-hmm. right? Um, the road from, from us to Nottingham. That's been voted, I believe, five years running the worst road in the UK for making people late for work. Right. Think about all the the hours of economy that have been lost from people trying to get into work and there either and not being being accidents to... mm. or, or traffic because of poor road design, stuff like that. Mm. All of a sudden, not only do you make a handful of people basically early for work by completely revamping their travel time, mm. completely completely turning their travel time on its head could be two seconds you also remove the traffic from the roads at the same time yeah so it's it's adding a new route while also making it easier on the first route yeah two-pronged um, attack it's like we were talking about um, in the first podcast about how um podcasts are becoming such a big thing at the minute because we're using up this time that before wasn't being used dead space and this is pardon me um beer um and this is basically what this technology is now doing for for travel. work and stuff yeah. like that and travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously, at the each each sort of level that you take a step further in revolutionising technology, each the level of each turning point increases compared to the last one. It obviously rises and rises exponentially. Oh yeah. You, like the you, jumps are huger every jump that happens, sort of thing. Um, they they can be. I think it it really depends on the technology. Uh, when you're talking specifically about stuff like electronics, mm. like we were saying about Moore's law, yeah, that looks like it's what was happening. And with quantum computing being around the corner, probably will, will continue to happen once we figure that out. In terms of like actual innovation, realistically, there has to come a time where people are going, right, well, all the things that we had problems with, we're starting to fix. Now the only the only caveat to that is if your solutions then bring more problems with them. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose you you can never see the problems until you encounter them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, one of one of Elon's probably most famous uh, projects is obviously Tesla, um, which impresses me. Even though I don't drive, I've, obviously I did lessons for like six months and then sacked it off. Um, but to have a car with actual autopilot, which obviously doesn't work all the time. I saw a video where a guy was basically on a, an American highway and he was coming around a big curve. And due to the way the road was curving, the, the autopilot just had no idea. Even when he was, even when there were cars directly in front of him, it just sort of threw it off because the cars just sort of emerged out of the bend. Yeah. Um, so he obviously had to brake for it. Um, but even then they make it clear that Yes, it has autopilot, but you are you should be as aware, if not more aware, as if you were actually driving. That's the biggest that's the biggest problem with 
the uh, the self-driving cars at the minute is um, I think there have been a handful of deaths from essentially and people not paying attention, like you're saying, and people thinking, oh, I can I can check my phone now because the car's doing all the exactly, work. but it's not really like that. Like you're saying, really, you should probably be more aware because normally when you're driving, like a lot of people will drive on autopilot, so to speak, like they're not really paying attention to what they're doing because it's such an ingrained habit. Yeah. Whereas the car doesn't have any of that. Yeah. So the car, like you're saying, if the car encounters a, a situation that it's not used to before, it could just veer off thinking that something's the really only way different to, is happening. going on. Yeah. Uh, whereas for people, you know, a person isn't going to just decide that they're actually in a car park or something yeah. when, when they're driving because they know they're driving. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I really like about Teslas, though, is they're sort of the first car that is beginning to look like how sci-fi films have predicted cars will look for quite a few years. Maybe the first widely available and widely driven commercial car. I would agree with that. But I think, think it about, looks the most like... What about the DeLorean? DeLorean was a real car. That came... Yeah, but that only looks ago. like a sci-fi car because it was the car in Back to the Future. You don't think it looks like a sci-fi car anyway? No. You don't? I think the only thing that does that is the upturning doors. Um, I think it only has that that association because of Back to the Future. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the Teslas are just like little roads to sports cars. I mean, they're just yeah, but they have this sort of very sleek, um, really really rounded and sort of low down look. I can't really describe it, but I th- for, for me, when I look at them, some of them, not all of them, look like this. But I, I sort of Google Google imaged them. And there's a few that fully look like future, futuristic. futuristic science fiction film or science fiction game cars. Um, did you know that they have Teslas have Easter eggs that they've put? Yeah, in? they've got so much random stuff. He's um, such an idiot, Ali. And they're just like they're they're just like they're literally just stupid. Yeah. Um, have you seen the have you seen the ballet dancing one? How it how it plays music and the doors come up and start yeah. dancing and, and stuff it will like dr- that. it will drive around. I think. As I well. didn't know it drove yeah, around. Yeah, if you if you go into like an empty car park, empty space, right? Yeah. Um, it has. Uh, thing where it will change Google the Google Map app to um, Mars and okay. have the car icon as the Mars rover. Right. Um, Autopilot has this thing where on the screen you're on Rainbow Road from Mario. Oh, for God's sake. Um, what if you fall off? Then that's, the car that's the explodes. Danger, that's the danger with Rainbow Road, right? Yeah. It's, they, it's, should, they should have a just car flips itself over if you go off the road it's a pretty intense track i'm not gonna lie yeah rainbow road i've not i mean i've not played that in a very long time it would have been on uh we right no we played it on uh ds ds mario kart ds we had oh no we didn't we didn't have mario kart for we did we no we never no. did no no i used i used to play it with some some places I think. yeah um and then the last one i know of is it lets you draw pictures on the screen and send it to Tesla and have them critique your work. Um, that's the, probably the most pointless one. I don't so really so who point. at Tesla, who at Tesla is one of the most these... innovative companies in the world right now? Who at Tesla has enough time to sit there and look at some guy's shitty drawing that he did? Probably, how many dicks do you think they get a week? A lot. A lot of dicks, yeah. right? A lot, a lot of fucking what, dicks. Is it, so there's a, there's a dick analysis team at Tesla now, is oh there? Oh, God. To analyse drawn dicks from people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Who's got that much time at Tesla? Um, That's such a joke. Yeah, literally. Literally. Um, no, I like the ballet dancing thing. Yeah, it's quite, that's quite a nice yeah. thing to add in. 
Um, but it seems like Elon's really pushing now for for the transference to electric cars. And I don't know what I don't understand why more people aren't doing that because it doesn't seem like it feels like we have the capability now, right? And uh, we'd we'd perfect it quite quick if more people invested in it. Uh, instead, we're just like pumping a shit ton of carbon into the air uh, from deep underground. It's absolutely mental. Um, yeah. I can understand that it's hard to sort of change a big industry like that, but I think I feel like people maintain this. Yeah, but this is how it is. We'll deal with it later. Sort of attitude towards stuff like that, when it could be quite easy and quick to rel- relatively quick to solve if people, like I say, bothered to invest in it. Yeah, um, it. I think there's a number of things, right? So some people are very caught up on this idea that actually it's not necessarily a, a move of industry that's necessary. It's a, a revolutionising of the coal and gas industry to make that technology cleaner whereas it like you're saying it doesn't really reduce carbon emissions to zero whereas i mean same thing with sort of with electricity right because all you're doing is moving the the chain back you're moving the pollution back in the chain so rather than the car polluting you still have to produce the electricity and how do we produce electricity for the most part yeah coal and gas yeah sure Sure. So, so it still doesn't solve the problem. It just makes it look like this problem isn't there. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, if you want to, let's say you had a solar panel. If, let's say if you, you lived in a, a really warm, sunny area, right? And you had a solar panel. LA, for example, or Dubai, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, right. That has enough, that you're, you're generating enough power to, to power your house off it. Hmm. If then you're generating excess power and you can charge your car using your solar energy, then sure. Sure, you're doing a. a then it's a, a worthy investment. Yeah. yeah, but realistically, you know, if if you're just charging your car using, I, I don't know what the actual numbers are. Like, I don't know whether, oh, actually, there is there is a trade off there where if you're charging your car with electricity, there's less emissions. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know what yeah. the actual numbers are there, but if it's it's a definitely a move to how, yeah, it's definitely. What's required is a move in the way electricity is generated, the way power is generated. Yeah. Not necessarily then how it's used. Right. Because then, then it is it is just a fact of like, okay, you're using coal, you're using gas, that petrol, that's for cars. You're using petrol, you move to electricity and all our electricity is generated by like hydro or solar power whatever it may be wind whatever it may be then that is a big chunk then yeah. every year every person that moves over that's a big chunk but until then it's probably i don't know whether it's negligible but it's probably not as great as some people might think because yeah. of the fact that you need to produce the electricity from coal or gas in mm. the first place like i'm saying i guess like i agree with you now it just looks like it does from from an outside perspective looking at it you go well it's electric so it's not pumping out air out the back end yeah yeah sure maybe we just need nuclear power no that's never a good idea bro what why not um i've told you the story about chernobyl that was basically because people weren't looking after it properly nuclear is fine as long as you're not an idiot yeah yeah a properly a properly uh, maintained nuclear plant generally in fact don't quote me on this because i don't have a source for it a finely maintained nuclear plant i think has a lower fatality rate than most coal and gas 
I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. We'll have to that. look into that then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna have a look at this when we when we're done. I think because uh, I, I think I've heard that said before. Hmm. SpaceX. That was a that was a big jump. Yep. <laughs> so obviously I was last night. I was watching <laughs> the failed launch. The failed launch. Um, which was really annoying because I just happened to scroll uh, across it on YouTube. And um, and I watched it for about, I think it had about half an hour remaining until launch, um, before before launch. And uh, it sort of went along and it was really exciting. I was like, okay, this will be quite interesting to talk about tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then literally 15 seconds before it was supposed to launch, you hear, uh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember what, what they said. Go on, go on. Hold, it. hold. Something like that. Hold, the weather's too bad. Basically, yeah. Um, and then this guy comes up, the presenter, who was like giving you like information and stuff goes, so we're going to have a hold because of the weather. And it's just sort of like, I imagined Elon just like slapping his face and going, guys, you realise we can look at the clouds. Like, we should have known before 15 seconds that this wasn't going to happen. I wonder if the guy who was in charge of checking the weather is going to lose his job. That seems... It's just like you were saying, it's just quite embarrassing to have... Because there were thousands of people watching. Fair enough, it's only like a, a launch just to the International Space Station as happens quite quite frequently, relatively frequently. But, um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite embarrassing. Well, the big thing is that, you know, every launch for, uh, for SpaceX is exciting because of the fact that they're testing reusable rockets. That's the big thing. Yes. That's the big ne- next big development in space travel. Is- yeah, is being is not wasting all that shit. Yeah, being able to to because that means obviously you can go to another planet, for example, or go to the moon and then come back without having to have the boosty uppy thing in the moon's case. Yeah, and they they can they can land, can't they? They can actually land. It's not just a case of um, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. You you wouldn't just salvage it, and they can actually they, no, they land and then they can land. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's that's the next big thing and. And that's going to be quite an important step for, obviously, the progression of going to Mars and stuff like that. Because do you know how soon SpaceX and Elon Musk want want the whole Mars stuff to start up? Probably 2020. Uh, not quite then. So they want to send two ships of materials to Mars in 2022. And they want to send two manned craft in 2024. And that's quite mind-blowing because that's, what, Six years? No, t- uh, five years. Five years for people to be on Mars, right? And when I think five years ago, is about when I left school. Maybe a, maybe six years ago I left school. Um, so that that doesn't seem like very long Four at all. Four or five. Yeah. Four or five. So that doesn't seem that's not very long at all. Like you could snap your fingers and all of a sudden there are people on Mars. But do you think that that is a marketing buzz phrase? Or do you think that that is an actual target that they're setting for themselves? The thing about Mars is, fine, it's all it's all well and good talking about going to Mars, mm. but how hard is that going to be? If if we want to do something with Mars, right, and not just treat it like the moon in as much as, oh, okay, we're going to go to the moon, we're going to put a few there, a few things there. Have a look at some rocks, do some research. And come back and then... If it wants to be an entire moving on the race to a different planet... Um, yeah, I think 
I actually thinking about it, I do agree with you. You more you need more time to know what the plan is. Yeah. And that's not really even been discussed. It's been sort of like talked about, oh, we might do this, we might live in caves, oh, we might be able to get liquid water at the bottom of this crater like I was talking about last week. Um so there's been slight discussions, but there's no one's gone, right, this is the plan, this is how we're gonna do it, this is every individual step which realistically you need in order to go through with it. Um unless unless Elon and SpaceX have this planned out and they're just not telling anyone until the time comes. I think there was there's something I was I was reading today. Um a company, independent company that have just started trying to plan out actually being able to build. So um on Mars specifically, that's mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Mm. It, Is this the thing where it looks like a giant they, they had a competition where loads of people tried ideas and stuff. It looks like a giant what? It's hard to explain. It's sort of ridged. Um, it's like a big... It's brown. The design they did was brown. It's sort of like a big tower. Oh, are we? Um, I thought the thing I'm talking about was was the one that won the competition and the thing that, that people were sure would be the the best design to go for sure well, well that this is what i was going to come on to say right so the i've, I've literally seen it today so right. um, it might be a bit hazy but um yeah this company that are developing essentially greenhouse like buildings so they're made of plastic that's 3d printed yes it uh, yeah we are talking about the same thing and then they they would basically like be put together like Lego almost. Yeah. Um, and you'd send like a three big 3D printing machine and you'd have them just build it on as soon as you got there. Yeah. Um, the, there's there's lots of there's lots of problems. You know, clear plastic doesn't really, as far as I'm aware, doesn't really deal with radiation problems. And, and stuff like there's that. no there's no atmosphere, so there's there's the radiation is way more on Mars, despite the fact, like again, like I was saying last week despite the fact that it's further away from the sun than we are, yeah. there's way more radiation. Well, think about how much think about how much hotter you would be in a clear plastic greenhouse as opposed to like in a house, in yeah. a normal house. Well, that's why um, Brian Cox said probably in caves is the best bet. Um, even like man-made caves create big borrowed caves um, and I then think- maybe create an interior um, lining Right, right, like a like a not lead, but like a lead lined. It's that sort of thing. Yeah, I I just think, uh, like uh, like Mr. Tyson has said before. Hmm. Uh, I think he said this on Joe Rogan actually. Unless the reason to go out to all the planets is just to go out to all the planets. Whatever the the thing is that we're trying to avoid, so we've come straight on sort of from talking about pollution. And how the impacts of electric cars will change. If there's any reason to go to the stars, it has to be just to go to the stars. Because anything to do with pollution, it's probably easier to fix the problems here than it is to go to Mars. It's easier to, to invest in trying to solve it than to run away from it. Well, think about it. If you can send a man team of, of people that are, design, uh, uh, are being sent to Mars to recolonize Mars... Why can't you just send a man team to whatever meteor asteroid is going to hit you? For example, if that's the problem that we're trying to avoid mm. and deal with that. If you can send a man team to Mars and then develop, build, nah, grow, that's the word I'm looking for, grow plants that are going to sustain you on Mars and create oxygen to be used for the population there, 
Why can't you just redo that on Earth if we're having pollution problems? I feel like it's just... Well, think, right? Any any planet or any anything like that is finite. Um, you can't keep it going forever, right? The way I see it is it's a ridiculously long-term investment um, to keep us going as a whole on the incredibly long-term. The way I see it is it's people going, okay, we know inevitably if we don't blow ourselves up or kill ourselves, we will reach a point where there will be some problem that we can't remedy, that we can't overcome. Whether it's billions and billions of years in the future and it's the sun expanding, which fair enough, that only doesn't save you much time. Um, And it doesn't give you much many places to go. Yeah. Um, Well, there's not many, many places you can go anyway. It's, like I've said before, um, the two sort of places you can conceive of going are Mars. There's nowhere else. I think people have been talking about going to some moons of the, some of the planets uh, in our solar system. Titan? Yeah. Um, but realistically, there's Mars and there's Alpha Centauri, which we're not even sure whether there is slash how many inhabitable planets there are. If you can overcome some of the problems that what I'm trying to say by by bringing up what Neil said before I think if you can solve the problems associated with going to Mars and setting up on Mars I think the problems associated with going to other places become quite negligible in comparison to what they seem like at the minute right so if you if you could go to go to Mars and you could you could grow these plants and you could essentially it's called terraforming. Yes. Um, if you could terraform Mars, then realistically you could probably figure out a way to to move to other places and and ways to make those places inhabitable. Yes, you're right that there are a lot of planets in the solar system that you simply couldn't live on. I suppose that's that's thinking about that now. Maybe that's the point of going to Mars is can we make a planet that is uninhabitable inhabitable in a short enough period of time so we could just go okay, time's running out here, we need to move somewhere else. Boom, that's the place. Let's well, go. Well, think about it. Think about it. What, what have you just said? You've just said, can we make, maybe that's the point of going to Mars, can we make a planet that is uninhabitable, habitable? If we can make a planet that's uninhabitable, habitable, why don't we just do that here when time's running out? Depending on what the, what the, problem, the problem is. is yeah, right? sure. Obviously, if there's some kind of impact or something like that, again, if you can, you can send... Like a laser or um, send people to it to deflect just, it. Just, yeah, exactly, exactly. Send an unmanned big ship to just knock it off course for exactly. example exactly yeah sure most most of the problems certainly in the short to mid to relatively long term there's another way around it but i think i, I think yeah i suppose i suppose it is probably just our curiosity as a, as a species and and that's a big deal too right like you're saying um because i like the angle you're coming at it from there right just for research and curiosity it is interesting to go to mars see specifically what that's like as a human experience mm. and to get some really intimate idea of what the um, the makeup of the, the land is like and what Mars is actually like. Yeah, because we sort of feel like we're running out of 
spatial research we can do. We know so much now about certainly the area around us and our planet is um we need to go somewhere else and explore there now. Um there's obviously like things like the Amazon rainforest and stuff here that Damn. isn't um but And the oceans. And the oceans. I feel like why aren't people paying attention like bothering with that? I feel there's... like that should be that should, by this point in our in our stage as a species People should be getting really as ex- not maybe maybe not as excited about that, and they are a space. But people should be getting very very excited about that sort of thing. Have you seen the footage captured of the uh, giant squid last week? The giant squid. Yeah. So, Don't tell me there's some sort of kraken creature that people have discovered. No, no, no. We already knew about it. Oh, okay. We've seen it before. Right. Um, but it's rare or something. Well, they live really deep. That's yeah. why they're so big. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's no there's no megalodon. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. giant shark giant piranhas um there's no there's no pressure so we've talked about evolution a little bit before privately um there's no there's no pressure to make animals really big because the bigger you make an animal the, the more, more the size costs yeah exactly the more right? food you need the more energy you need whereas when you get to the the depths of the ocean the bigger you are the more you can withstand the pressure the more so you have to be big to be on to, to be, be able to survive down. it or you have to have some kind of exoskeleton or specially designed skin how i don't know whether you'll know this have we gone as deep as we can go with current technology do you think or is it like i say something that people just aren't really bothering with because we'd rather go to space so what you're asking is about the mariana trench really i believe where is that not sure my geography is terrible it would make sense to be like the pacific ocean surely because that's the biggest mass of water in the world I can tell you that it's definitely in an ocean. Brilliant. Thank you for that information. I think on manned, I think on manned, we've been quite far down. Down, right, right. Uh, I don't know whether we've been... The problem is that the uh, topography of the land, so the way the land lies, is going to be so much more complicated than above... It's not, it's going to be the same, Mm. but there's water as well. It's harder to see, obviously, even with, with satellites and yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm thinking of, right? Yeah. So until you go there, how do you know what the deepest place is? Sure. So uh, you have to explore each level to know. Okay, the trench goes down this far, and then there's a flat level, and then it goes down further here, right. sort of thing. Because it it might. So you have to explore all of it. There might be caves and stuff, yeah. right? And all of a sudden, if there's like a a, a level of rock and then an underwater cave then it's like, well, have you really been as deep? Like, this cave could be uh, sequestering, so separating another evolutionary pocket of life. Because that's how speciation happens. Yes. Like it's You, you separate an area. Oh, they change independently. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I believe unmanned we've been quite deep. Don't quote me on this again, because I'm not 100% sure, but I actually think within the last three to four years, there was a manned craft that went quite, quite deep, deep right. in the Mariana Trench. Not sure about that one. Mm. Not sure about that one. That's scary though. I wouldn't want to go down there. <laughs> I, wouldn't of, even, I wouldn't even consider it. I'd consider going to space. A bit of thalassophobia. Is that the fear of deep water? The fear of open water, yeah. Right, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, but going back up to space and SpaceX, um, another thing, and this goes back to, like we were saying, about people's curiosity about space. Um, they're... Have you heard about the plan to slingshot around the moon, the commercial thing to slingshot around the moon in 2023? Um, I have not, actually. 
um, yeah, that's that's all I know about the subject is that SpaceX has a plan to send a commercial. Obviously, it will just be full of rich people and a few researchers, maybe. Um, but I'm hoping that because there'll be, for lack of a better word, normal people, some normaler people than just researchers on that craft, it might finally shut up the flat earthers. So what? A researchers all a researchers all just weirdos. They're aliens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- you'll find this quite interesting, actually. Elon has stated that moving to Mars would cost a single person, um, say you or I wanted to go, potentially less than $500,000. He thinks maybe even less than $100,000. And returning would be free if you don't like it. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the more I hear him talk about Mars, the more it seems like a pipe dream. It just seems like uh, he's... But he's so smart, though. I don't think he'd say these things if he he was basically sure that he can do it. <clears throat> he's, he's not smart enough to call... Uh, to not call... Uh, to notice the weather. To, or to not call uh, ex-military officials paedophiles. What? You're not seeing that. Do you remember when the Thai kids... I thought we talked about this. Do not remember when the Thai kids were trapped in that cave? Yeah. Yeah. And there were... Basically, there were a team of divers that were that were going to go in and rescue them, um, and Elon Musk decided that he was going to build little um, little capsules with the, uh, with air supplies and stuff, so that they could just pull them pull them out oh. in these capsules. And the divers sort of said they were they were UK, I think, ex um, ex military navy divers. Right, I might be wrong. They might have been seals, but they were definitely military divers. Yes, I digress. And uh, yeah, they said basically that's that's not going to work. Uh, and he tweeted out, uh, well, something like, oh, well, at least I'm not a paedophile. And it was like, it's like, okay, they're going to rescue these kids. They're not being paedophiles by rescuing these kids. So he was just spitting his dummy out? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Right, God, yeah, God, right. Yeah. That, uh, that's the one really questionable thing I know that you've yeah. done. Um, could you see a time in your life where you'd consider going to Mars? hard question to answer Mm. um it of course i could see a time in my life it would depend on obviously my personal goals are to go into research yes i don't feel like the the route that your life is going down you're not a physicist you're not an astrophysicist so there wouldn't be much you could gain from there other than going yeah i'm on another planet and and realistically if there was if let's say we did find either life or biological molecules mm. there, right? Then what's going to happen is you're going to have xenobiologists, so biologists that specifically deal with more alien species. Not to say that we know of alien species, but biologists that will theorize and hypothesize about where you could find it, what they might look like, stuff like that, for example. Yeah, and and you look at um, there are some scientists that specifically focus on life that isn't really like any of the other life that we see on Earth. Yeah. So octopus, stuff like that. Yeah, sure, sure. I was thinking about this, actually. Like, I was watching a video of elephants, just as you do. And it sort of, it struck me how vastly different creatures, even on this planet alone, are from each other. Obviously, there are some distinct similarities. Two eyes... Two ears, for example, with Spiders. mammals and things. Yeah, yeah, there are obviously anomalies within that. Um, but things can be so vastly different even on this planet alone. Um, 
like for example, if you if you'd never seen a spider in your life and then you came across one and you didn't know what one was, you could think it was an, it was an alien. Yeah. Well, you should like I was talking about a minute ago. You should see this squid, bro. This squid is crazy. Is it big? It's 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 only a juvenile. So, but but like you're saying, right? Squids look alien as hell. Hell. Octopus yeah. look alien as hell. Yeah. A lot of things that live in the ocean look alien as hell. And I suppose that's why in um, in science fiction you often see aliens um, depicted as squid-like or or these sort of sort of creatures because they are the furthest from what we know as creatures generally. So, so it's the easiest thing to take inspiration from. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I think. All, all this sort of spatial stuff and, and the Hyperloop Tunnel aside, I think one thing I really like about Elon Musk is um, like the flamethrower he made, right? Um, he's not just trying to revolutionise things. He's not just trying to technically revolutionise things. He's, tr- he's just doing things that are fun and interesting. Um, he makes such sort of varied, random stuff. As much as he wants to change the way we do things in a positive way, he just wants to do things that's cool or fun interesting yeah um and again this is the flamethrower not a flamethrower is another thing that looks like it could be in a sci-fi game um just the way it's designed and stuff like that um and i think again this goes back to how a lot of technology that's being created at the moment is starting to look like how for the last sort of 20 30 years science fiction has depicted where a lot of technology will go so why do you think that is do you think that is do you think that's people looking at the way people thought technology would gone and actually like pushing, pushing towards that? that way? It's like that, um, you know, the whole Simpsons thing where people freak out because, oh, Simpsons predict all these things and people don't realise that, well, due to the fact that this stuff happened in the Simpsons, people always point to the Trump, the photo of Trump going down the escalator. He undoubtedly made that situation happen purposely because it happened in The Simpsons. People go, oh, it looks at his, the angle of the camera is exactly the same. Yes, he's doing it for publicity. Right. He's a smart businessman. Um, all the stuff that The Simpsons have predicted have come to pass because it happened in The Simpsons rather than Simpsons knowing the future. Yeah, it's, it, yeah there's definitely an aspect of, um, what would you call it, predeterminism by, by when, you've, when you've seen something happen like that it's more likely likely to act in that way. Yes. I've just got this image of Donald Trump like sitting in the White House on like a sofa with no trousers on but still his like suit jacket and a red tie (laughs) like flicking, watching The Simpsons (laughs) like laughing at Sideshow Bob or something. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This show is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's fake news. (laughs) Um, I was watching Elon Musk on Joe Rogan the other day. Um, and they were talking about how, or, or Elon was talking about how we're already in these sort of first stages of this huge cybernetic collective with social media and, and how that, that's going at the minute. Um, and it sort of made me think how concepts that are portrayed in The Matrix, for example, might not be as far away as we think. Um, we just haven't crossed the bridge into the more extreme embodiments of that sort of technology. Um, to an extent, we have with the implementation of, and popularity of virtual reality um and that has so much varied potential i even think like i i don't think this would happen but to sort of think of something that a way that it could be implemented that maybe people haven't thought about think about a video podcast right say we were a video podcast and it got to the point where you could have people 
putting on the VR headset and walking around the two subjects talking and having it more uh, uh, feeling like you're in the room and 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 having it more of a personal tactile experience i don't know about tactile okay so the thing the thing with that is obviously if you're going to build and you know a little bit about this from working with um video editing maybe doing some animation here and there if you're going to build a virtual environment and then put a virtual camera in there that can move around sure but if you're going to film a real life environment and then have a camera with the ability to move around think about it you're going to have to have cameras at every point in the room well that's yes you'd basically at the very least you'd need to be able to see every point in the room and then have a program that that programmed that into the 3d world yeah um but regardless i think this sort of new technology bleeds into our real lives in an increasing way um obviously a lot is being talked about at the minute in terms of artificial intelligence and um sort of cybernetic enhancements obviously we touched on ai a little bit before um and another sort of problem that i think is quite important to to sort of realize is implementation always seems to come before regulation so think about car seat belts cars didn't have seat belts for years and then after loads and loads of people died that's when they implemented them so ai would become a thing but once that's happened you can't necessarily regulate it after it's been implemented because depending on the the extremity of the ai it could decide no it doesn't want to be changed and if it can work out how to stop you changing it, then it can basically do whatever the fuck it wants to do. Um, yeah, I think the 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 thing with AI is it's already AI AI in some sense has been integrated into our lives for quite a long time. Um, just but even even you look at like certain games, like a lot of them have. Um, aspects of the computer generated characters actually learning from your behaviors and that's all ai is is the ability of a of an artificial intelligence to learn learn things. from stimulus and, yeah and stuff so the problem comes when you put that out like we were talking about before uh, when you put that out with a goal that is susceptible to being misunderstood or with a goal that is susceptible to being derailed or having its normal processes derailed just in pursuit of the goal. Hmm. I don't think the problem will... That, that's, that's, the, that's the big problem with AI is it will come slowly and then one day it will be too late. If it's going to be too late, it will come slowly and then all of a sudden one day someone will realise and there won't be much people can, can do, do about, about it. it. Yeah. And obviously people think, or, or people are starting to think... Elon Musk included that AI isn't that far away, right? Um, I read an article that said AI will overtake us by 2100. Um, I personally don't think, I think it's one of those things that um, people are predicting at the moment that will come really fast, but isn't coming as fast as people expect it to. The prime example again is going back to um flying cars in back to the future uh as much as that's just a nice concept to have in a film i'm sure 
people probably did genuinely believe at that time that that was right around the corner. Um, and I think it's just, it's much further away than people seem to think. I think the difference between flying cars or, or other modes of transport and AI is that there are a lot of inherent problems with, for example, flying cars, a la the noise, yes, stuff like that, um, and the danger of it that weren't really thought about at first. So you watch, for example, Back to the Future, and the cars aren't going <laughs> like they're not. They're not helicopters. They're not, but they would have to be to be generating that. Lift. It's like an ideal version of that technology. Exactly. Whereas with AI, there's not any of those direct restrictions problems yeah there's not any of those oh well it would be really annoying and difficult to like no it there are it's so enticing because it potentially reduces the burden on people so much in terms of even just like things like decision making or you know anything yeah because like you're saying an ai is going to learn so much quicker from being able to have more iterations of a behavior for example yeah no no one's let's say i don't know really weird example i'll tell you what opening a bottle of beer like fair enough if you go to university or you do any of that you probably got a lot of experience with opening <laughs> a bottle of beer but if you designed an ai to find the most efficient way to open a bottle of beer it's going to sit there and it's going to if it's got the physical capability to it's going to just open bottles of beer over and over and over again that's its only point mm. whereas humans are very multifunctional they don't have one point they don't practice one really um banal thing boring thing it's like you were talking about before about goal setting humans have so many goals that that change and that um sometimes bleed into each other and stuff like that i think one question that popped into my head while i was thinking about artificial intelligence is Obviously, we've sort of gone along and um, we we evolved biologically and now we've started evolving technologically. Um, but the question I think I have is, could we be the Neanderthal to the artificial intelligence where this new iteration of life, in quotation marks, looks at us and goes, well, we're better than it. We can outdo it and then kill it off. I suppose a further question of that would be how do we avoid the danger of being overtaken? Um, I don't think there's a market for AI that are behaviors organisms. I don't think there's a market for that. I think there might be a market for AI that behaves... Can solve problems. Yes, specific problems though. Yeah, And sure. there might be an AI... Uh, there might be a market, sorry, for an AI that behaves in a human way but doesn't learn in a human way. Yeah. Um, I'm specifically thinking about either like girlfriend bots or yeah. friend bots, right? But I don't think necessarily that there's a there's an argument to have memory in there. But, but I there's think no need really to have a, the complexity that lies within actual humans. Actual I think living. you could very much do it by just having a sort Certain of fill tax, in the fill in the blanks tax, yeah. approach. Yeah. Um, where you know, there's like you say, in certain tasks, certain phrases that are that are stuck, and then they get changed slightly based on the language of the user. Hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think there's a market or a reason to, to create... build new life. Yes, um, yes. Or, or 
even artificial objects that behave in a lifelike way yeah necessarily i think another thing is like people people have sort of speculated on how else we could use ai other than that for example and um people obviously think a solution to that is to combine ourselves with the artificial intelligence um elon musk obviously has a thing called Neuralink, um where he wants to start implementing this technology that connects us without physical interface um which would sort of speed up processing potentially um but the one thing that i can't get my head around about that is surely even if we had ai connected to us um doing these sort of fast calculations surely those things would still have to go through our brain's input so really the speed the computer would work it out really fast but surely it would still have to if it's implemented into our brains for example surely it would still have to go through the limited processing power of our brains unless you had really invasive extreme cybernetic implantation um rendering it sort of kind of null and void but that's that's what it would be that's that's really it, invasive it would have to be it would if you wanted to integrate a, a an an ai interface or a some kind of um technological interface where you could find information out for example by just thinking asking a question to yourself it would have to be invasive it would have to bypass certain processes within your own brain yeah well or it replace wouldn't, them it wouldn't bypass them i mean you would have to have surgery you would have to have an implant mm. in your brain there's no way i've been learning about this year a little bit about in, in pharmacology about the blood brain barrier because the brain's so important to life to an organism's ability to continue to function in the world not a lot gets let into the the brain's blood flow um so you you couldn't transmit information into the brain like that you would have to have some kind of implantation right and then so this is i I think you've kind of conflated these two ideas right then what's going to happen is it's the implant doing some of the work of the brain. So let's say, for example, let's say instead of the hippocampus mediating memory or the hippocampus grabbing from different places to, to produce memory, let's say that instead you have a memory card in there with as much of the, the human knowledge that we have as possible. A lot of the time with knowledge, it's not a processing issue. It's a memory and space issue. Right. So you basically have just like a a hard drive attached to you to store the information that you can't remember. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the processing thing isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like you were saying last time, oh, electrical signals can be sent. But I suppose we still process things extremely quickly. When you look at a face, do you go, that's... A, a rounded enormous almond shape it just happens. and there's another almond shape you don't you just go that's a face yeah right so there's even even regardless of how that works the, the speed at which our brains process things isn't a problem and it never has been a problem no because you can walk into an environment and instantly know what's going on in that all the important information yeah so it's not necessarily a processing problem it's mm. a, a memory problem it's yeah. an inherent memory problem but I think it's sort of technology like this that really blows my mind because it feels like with stuff like that, we're reaching a point where technologically we're we're almost able to basically give ourselves superhuman abilities. 
Um, and in that way, we're sort of learning to play God. And obviously that brings us on to um, something that you know a little bit about in terms of CRISPR. Um, Only a little bit though. <laughs> um, something that's sort of quite a big deal, but as you said before, it's not very widely known. So can you sort of give me a little bit of a rundown? Yeah, so so the, the CRISPR-Cas9 system is a system that was identified in um, bacteria, basically. Mm-hmm. So normally what happens is viruses hunt all kinds of cells. And what a virus would normally do is they would clamp onto a cell and they would inject uh, an RNA sequence into the cell that would be integrated into the, the cell's genome, the DNA, and then... Basically, that cell would then produce viruses and With they would that, be released. Yeah, sure. So CRISPR-Cas9, how it works in the wild is um, essentially CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspersed Short Palindromic Repeats. And it refers to this these sections of DNA that essentially, yes, the viral D- uh, RNA, sorry, the viral RNA is integrated into the genome. But it's integrated in a way whereby the bacteria can recognize that viral DNA in the future or viral DNA that's similar to it, viral RNA that's similar to it. So effectively, it's a bacterial immune system against viruses. So normally what would happen in a human, for example, if you got infected with some kind of pathogen is you have cells called B cells, which would produce... uh, cells which can recognize um we call them antigens on on a, an invading cell <clears throat> and that's how you develop an immunity to something that they recognize they see it and they go okay we need to build this new thing that can recognize this thing because this is going to damage us yeah if we don't do something about it so effectively the same thing but used in the viral rna now the thing about this is essentially how it works is it will go into the genome and it will cut out the DNA that's been integrated into the genome. Now, what's good about that is it's essentially a system that is targeted excision, so removal of a certain sequence of DNA within the genome. Which has sort of mind-blowing implications, potentially. Mm-hmm. Well, what we were doing before... Um, it's 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 applications within genetic engineering so the idea is that you could target this this crispr um system to a certain region of dna and you could cut that out and then you could replace it with something else so you could effectively alter any organism's genome in any way that you wanted if you understood the implications of that editing event if you if you understood the implications of changing the sequence at that point, then you could effectively do anything you wanted that's viable, that's yes. realistic, that could work. Well, well, I was going to ask you about this, right? Um, so you can essentially sort of, in a sense, recode someone's DNA, right? Um, that's sort of, to put it in layman's terms, that's the big implication of this technology. Um so could you learn to code for something that just doesn't exist at all in the human genome? So in the far future or or at all, could you, for example, work out a code to add an extra four arms coming out of your back like Doc Ock to, to choose something completely ridiculous? For, so for... It, it gets a little bit hard. So I'll, I'll try and work through this 
while I think about it out loud. So, there are a series of genes called Hox genes, which code for essentially, it's like the, um, the blueprints for the body. Right. right. So, every, every organism has these genes. Everything has them because it, every, um, every complex organism, sorry. Because it basically tells you it's from, it tends to work from your head, down your spine, down the back of your body, and it will it will code for the as the the elements of your body that are that are coming down your posterior chain, mm-hmm. and basically tells the body where to put stuff and how how to do it. In in this, basically. Now the problem with that is, do they impact anything else? And on top of that. How? how how do what what would you do would you just essentially copy and paste the sequence for arms and then put it in the in sequence for ribs yeah and then would you build and would that ribs? work would that be viable so so the hard part about this the hard part about crispr is the understanding of genetic sequences and you'd have to basically have a complete understanding of how this genetic code codes for everything everything if you could read genetic code like um if you could read dna sequences like a book like a book then sure. Then you could, yeah. If it makes you could sense, find a way. not only does the word make sense, I did that in inverted commas, the word, not only does the word make sense, but it has to make sense, all the implications of the word the, and what they... In relation to the rest of the code. So you need quite a poetic almost understanding of, of genetic material in order to really... You need to understand it individually and as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Um, otherwise, for example, I don't know, you could... You could code for that and it could that that sequence could also have implications for you growing a normal leg so you could grow a stump for example um or other things you could be really susceptible to disease because of that coding yeah it's, it's called pleiotropy so the idea that different genes will fill more than one role yes. within an organism's lifetime mm-hmm. um so yeah you i mean you could change these hox genes and you could then it, a lot of the time or some of the time we, ch- we make these really small changes and actually the organism will never be born because it's, it, the fetus isn't viable anymore. Yes. And we don't really know why a lot of the times, but it does tell us a lot. And that's the big advantage at the minute with CRISPR is you can, if your understanding of it is good, you can reliably alter the genome in ways that you have decided rather than what we used to do with genetic engineering is we used to literally just go, okay, here's some DNA, let's put it in the cell and see what happens. Yeah. Whereas now you've got this this um, this system that can choose where you're going to cut. And, you know, sometimes it gets things wrong, but that's probably more to do with our understanding of how it works. Yeah. Um, so it makes things a lot more reliable. In terms of whether you could, you could do things like that, I think that's a very long way off. Um, and on top of that, there's a lot of restrictions... On... Well, I suppose to, to be able to do something like that, like you're saying, you need to understand, fully understand, really, the genetic code and how it works. And to do that, you need to fuck around with it, which isn't ethically okay. Yeah. And I suppose the ethics of it goes to um, the whole Chinese CRISPR baby thing. Yeah. So um, was it this year, last year? No, it was this year. It was this year because I talked about it in my bioethics lecture. Um, this year is when the paper was published. Right. Um so presumably it started coming into effect some point last year, maybe. 
they were they've probably been doing the research for, for, a, little, for a while for a little while um but they in china this guy i think his name was he i think his name was he but i'm not 100 percent sure it might have been yang i can't remember i can't remember i've read the paper though they basically edited this gene which uh is an immune gene so this gene cc cc5 cd5 cc5 one of the two and basically they they give these uh, unborn children a variant of this gene which confers uh, resistance to HIV. Yeah, so their, their, their plan was to have these sort of test tube babies, as it were, that are born immune to HIV. Or, or at least resistant. And that's obviously against ethical rules, uh, 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 worldwide ethical rules. Well, you have to think about the implications, right? For that to be a successful experiment, you have to then give the children HIV and see whether they get HIV or not. Yes. Is it ethical to give newborn children HIV? No. Probably not, right? So that's the hard part. It's like, okay, fair enough, you might have done it, again, in inverted commas, but did it work? We can't really check. And you have, top- you'd have to wait for them to die or not die, I suppose. Of specifically HIV? Yeah. Right, so you would either you would either need to rely on them being exposed to HIV in a the natural course of their lives, or you would have to Do artificially expose them to HIV, which would be really unethical. Now, the other flip side to this is uh, there is a belief that that gene, in the form that it's been edited to in these children, I believe they were twins. Um, would actually confer some kind of intellectual advantage as well. Yes, if you can do that, what else can you change? Well, not not only what else can you change, but specifically this editing event, specifically this this alteration of this one gene. Scientists, uh, some scientists, do believe that it would confer an intellectual advantage. Right. So then the question oh. is: the question is to these Chinese researchers. Okay, you've done this thing. You knew, you knew that you either either going to have to put these children's lives at risk by artificially infecting them with HIV, or it was worthless. So why did you really do the experiment? Did you do the experiment to see whether it was... Yeah, exactly. Are you just seeing whether these kids do have this intellectual advantage? And using the HIV thing as sort of like, I know we're doing good things for people. But it's not really, it's not really useful the HIV thing no. because you would have to do something extremely unethical in order to test it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy actually. Yeah. Yeah, right? And then I didn't I didn't realize there was the sort of intellectual potential intellectual side effect of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's quite scary. That's actually quite scary. Well, think if if that is a success and that's why they're doing it and it is a success. They could just make countless hyperintellectual people maybe not hyper intellectual there's obviously always um interactions from other genes and environmental factors mm. but, but if they're doing this now to have the advantage the edge, yeah, yeah yeah and sort of now sort of bring it bring it all back around full circle like it is mu- absolutely mind-blowing how we do seem to be reaching this point in techn- technology where we're having this huge leap and we're we're gaining abilities that even 50 years ago 
would have been considered godlike, even now would be considered godlike, um, to be able to basically, obviously not all the problems would be ironed out, but to be able to potentially create a human however the fuck you want it to be created. Um, and then on the AI side, to have a hyper-intelligent thing that can do all this research and all this, all these calculations for you. Um, it genuinely does to me feel like we are at the very least approaching an enormous turning point in technology.